The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this may be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she would have a child, she was no doubt amazed and perplexed. She could not have understood the profundity of what was happening, but she certainly knew that something unique and special was unfolding. Mary would be the mother of a child who would be destined for the rising and falling of many, who would sit on the throne of David, who would be called Son of God and Son of the Most High. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end, and his name will be Robert. Wait a minute. That didn't sound right. Ah, his name will be Jesus. Ah, Jesus. What a lovely name. But why Jesus? And who does this Gabriel fellow think he is? (laughs) Telling Mary what her own son's name would be. How rude. Did the uh, labor and delivery doctor tell you what your son's name would be? What about your neighbor or a Facebook friend? Or did you think about it, come up with several options, and then choose one for a variety of reasons? Well, why doesn't Mary give that privilege? And why the name Jesus? Seems to me there is some serious angel splaining going on here. Well, what if I told you that Jesus' name was not Jesus in a certain manner of speaking? At least that's not what Mary would have heard. And that changes the story a little. And it might even change what you think about Jesus a little. Notice that immediately when Gabriel addresses Mary, the first thing he does 
is give Jesus his name. He says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, he has to include the bit about conception and it being a son so that, you know, there being a person who's a boy would have a name uh, Jesus. And yes, Gabriel did not leave it up to Jesus to decide his gender later in life. He was a son from the beginning, and he died a son as well. But then Gabriel immediately tells Mary what the boy's name will be. After that, and only after that, does Gabriel go on to include this laudatory language about Jesus being the son of the Most High and sitting on David's throne and ruling over Jacob's tribes forever. Now, Mary did not speak English, contrary to what some of the most fervent uh, defenders of the King James Bible might believe. So what did she hear when Gabriel said that the boy's name would be Jesus? Well, I wasn't there, but I tend to believe that angels spoke to people in the language that they would have understood. So in the case of Mary, Gabriel said that the name of her son would be Yeshua or Yehoshua, for Mary spoke Hebrew. That name would have meant something to Mary or indeed any Hebrew person. It was the name we know of as Joshua the great leader of the Israelites who brought them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Joshua was a fighter, a warrior, and a leader of men. And because we translate his name directly from Hebrew to English, Yehoshua becomes Joshua. But the New Testament was not written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. So, the closest that Yeshua could be translated into Greek becomes Jesus. And then years later, the J is brought into the English language so that all of the Ys, or some of the Ys, in Greek and Latin and Hebrew become a J. So, for example, you may know him as Julius Caesar, but that's not what the Romans called him. They called him Julius Caesar. And so, thanks to this Greek middleman, if you will, Yehoshua becomes Joshua, from the Hebrew to English, but Jesus becomes Jesus. And so, this connection then to Joshua and Jesus is sort of lost on us, at least casually. We see them then as really two different people. Well, of course, they were two different people, but to the extent that names mean something, and in the Bible they almost always do, well, we see that the name of Yehoshua would have meant a lot to Mary. It would have triggered immediate imagery of conquest and victory, the entrance into the promised land, the pursuit of God's promises, and the fulfillment of covenants. Indeed, while Joshua was not a prophet in the Old Testament, his name and life definitely foreshadowed Jesus. For what he did for the Israelites, Jesus does for the Israel of God. Jesus gathers the elect people of God, and he brings them into the promised land. Now, the promised land may no longer be a, a piece of the earth, 
but rather it is the new heavens and the new earth to which we look forward to now and we will enjoy for all of eternity. And maybe at this time of year in particular, we need to be reminded of this image of Jesus. And maybe at this time in our history as well. During the Christmas season, we are blessed to be surrounded uh, by and reminded of familiar images and scenes. We get, and rightly so, somewhat sentimental about our Lord at this time of his birth. And we surround this season with you know, pageants and movies and certain rituals uh, that are really unique to this season. And we can become nostalgic then about this Christmas story. After all, we are talking about the birth of a baby here. The birth of a baby boy. What could be more innocent? And yet this baby boy does grow to be a man. And he does take on the sin of the world. He does battle with religious and political powers. And he wages war with the unholy trinity of sin, death, and the devil. In other words, we should not make the mistake of seeing Jesus as powerless or weak because he took on flesh, was a child or baby at one point, or even because he was compassionate and merciful and kind. His name means Savior or Rescuer. He lives and dies for his people. He leads his people. He goes to battle on your behalf. And his death is the greatest casualty in that war. Thank God he was raised from the dead. Jesus is a better Joshua than Joshua, of course. But the name means something. It speaks to how Jesus will fight for you, his people. And he fights with you against all the forces in your life that would destroy you. Temptation, greed, anger, fear. There is something of that spirit of Joshua that I believe we will need in coming years. Of course, I hope I'm wrong. But some kind of censorship of Christian belief or practice or rights seems likely, if not inevitable. I was so glad when that made its first sound during the singing of the hymn, but I knew it would come back again. Will we be able to, for example, gather without a COVID-19 vaccine in the future? What if we have to get one? We've already sort of established that we're willing not to gather. Some states, of course, are worse than others. But what if COVID-19 turns into COVID-21 or COVID-22? Will that be a precondition of whether we can gather as Christians? In some countries, it is illegal not to refer to someone when they change genders by their new name. Will the church have to comply with such laws? In Germany, a pastor who is part of the state-sponsored church, no less, and has something like tenure, was arrested and fired from his profession for criticizing the German equivalent of a pride parade. If the Equality Act is enforced by fiat or passed into law, well, could that bring about a similar dynamic here? 
we used to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Well, what if instead of that WWJD, instead of we said Jesus, we said Joshua? Because we tend to think of Joshua as a warrior, but Jesus is really just a kind and compassionate savior. You see, we pull those two names apart, but biblically, we can't. Maybe what we think Jesus would do in our setting is not what the Bible would indicate that he would do. Jesus, Yeshua, he would fight for his people. Now maybe the causes that I outlined above are my my own pet concerns and anxieties, and they're not the issues Jesus would care about at all. But he is certainly more than a sentiment-inducing child. And his name, the name in Hebrew that Mary would have recognized, tells us that right away. Amen.